0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, December 23rd, and we're looking forward to what 2017 has in store for tech. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio by Motley Fool premium analyst, Simon Erickson. Simon, how's it going? Great, Dylan. Thanks very much for having me. What are the holiday plans for you?
1: Heading back down to my home state of Texas, where it will be much warmer than up here in Alexandria.
0: i doing the opposite. I'm going further north, where it will be colder in New Jersey.
1: I wish you the best of luck. Yeah, it's gonna be a little rough. <laughs> uh,
0: this is our last show for 2016. Next week, we're actually gonna be re airing some of our favorite episodes from the past year um, just to kind of fill the gap between Christmas and the New Year's holiday. Simon, I was tempted to do the show. Where we surprised John Ratanti with your posed listener question, um, ultimately wound up with going something I shot with David Kretzmann about share buybacks and, uh, or sorry, stock based compensation, and uh, just seemed a little bit more relevant to tech. But that was a good time. We should I'm do that again. I'm
1: pretty sure my accent completely gave me away. It was really a terrible accent I tried for John, and I think he was on to me.
0: Yeah, because he couldn't see you. He right. just could only hear this wild, hackneyed accent asking him a question about why he was wrong about value investing, I think? I think so. To continue yeah. continued at a later date. But, uh, yeah, since this is our last new show of the year, I thought maybe we'd look forward to 2017, give listeners an idea of some of the things that we're watching in tech for this upcoming year. Uh, I know one thing that you're really hot on is wearable technology and it possibly morphing beyond the traditional consumer electronics market, right?
1: Yeah, I think that my first prediction is that wearable devices are going to look much more like medical devices in, in the coming year, maybe two years. We've gotten accustomed to Fitbits tracking our steps, maybe telling us a little bit about how we sleep, and a lot of kind of just fitness tracking that is kind of interesting and kind of useful. But they're expanding how these can be used beyond just fitness. And I think that we're going to start seeing that more because the real money for this is going to be coming from insurers. And insurers are going to want to see more functionality than just how many steps are you taking or or what they're doing today. And we're starting to see some of that already. Uh, we, we've seen now uh, Fitbit work with Medtronic for type 2 diabetics to monitor blood sugar and, and things like this. And I think that's going to be my first prediction, is that you're going to start seeing a lot more of that where it's more specific applications, but it's going to be tied to insurance reimbursements.
0: Because really, for the insurers, more data is better, right? They want as much as they can to help build out some of the actuarial tables and, and some of the pricing for a lot of the plans that they're going to be offering. Um, and in terms of better understanding maybe patient outcomes and best treatments there's a lot of applications there as well
1: yeah and it, it, we just went to the connected health uh, conference here in uh, in, in dc um, just a couple of weeks ago and found out that really about 40% of your health 40% of your health is based on behavior which is very interesting. You know, What are you eating? How active are you? What are you doing out there? And I think that that kind of plays into the wearable technology trend. You just have to get to where the money is in this industry, and I think that really is from from the insurers.
0: Yeah, I think very often people can be blind to things that are kind of automated and rote for them because they're just kind of humming in the background. It's a decision that they don't even realize that they're making. You have some of these wearables that can help identify that in kind of a big data step back type of way, and that can be very compelling for the insurance and healthcare market. Absolutely. Uh, another area I know you're watching is how some big tech titans will be focusing on the cloud, and it sounds like the smart home market as well. Yeah, so we have Alexa in, in our home right now. And right? actually, our podcasts have an integration with Alexa. You, you can actually ask them to play our podcast, yeah. I believe, right? So, so, if you feel like doing that sometimes. Getting we'll smarter, right? Yeah.
1: Um, the, the Amazon Echo, which is what we refer to as Alexa uh, here, is, is already a hardware device that was launched in 2015. Um, collecting data for Amazon to facilitate more e-commerce transactions. Uh, Now, this last year, we saw Google Home introduce their own hardware uh, competing product so that Google can get more information about what you're searching for and what you're wanting to do, which, of course, can drive advertising. Um, We've seen that that Jeff Bezos has said he's got 1,000 employees working on Amazon Echo right now. That's insane. Which really is crazy to think about. And they've, they've sold 5 million of these already um, earlier this year. So this is a really big project for a really big company and an innovative visionary leader that's not afraid to put money behind some of his best ideas. And I really think that uh, not only Amazon, but also Google, also Microsoft, also Facebook, are wanting to collect more and more data that you're giving it in your living room so that they can supplement and improve their businesses.
0: And it seems like a lot of these hardware solutions are really kind of reducing the friction that users have with getting whatever it is they're searching for, whether it be a podcast, like one of the Motley Fool podcasts, or maybe it's uh, an answer on what the weather is like, or something like that. But it's... A lot of times, ease of use, and so you know, you look at something like uh, Google's original search algorithm, and how that brought the tech, just the entire tech landscape, and navigating the web into something that is simple, easy to find. A lot of what these smart home and kind of more integrated solutions that we're seeing from big tech names are doing is something similar. It's kind of a next layer on top of that, as I'm seeing it, at least.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's We've we've seen the um, launch the product first and then optimi- optimize it over time second. Uh, basically, strategy from all of these. Amazon wanted to get the Echo out, get it in your home, and it's not going to be able to do everything up front. In fact, it was very limited when they first launched it, but it's getting smarter. It's able to do more and more things, and I think in the future, we're going to see that more and more Being based on transactions rather than just playing music or you know asking what the temperature is, uh, book me an Uber or reorder me something on Amazon. I think that's the next way that Amazon's going for, and Google's going after a lot of data as well.
0: One of the things I thought was really interesting, I was talking with Fool.com writer Daniel Klein about this, and he's a gadget head, loves everything, owns everything, he'll buy it so he can write an article about it. He's like that kind of guy, and he said Amazon was very smart with what they've done with Echo, because they started out with very limited functionality, right. and they nailed the execution on that functionality, rather than maybe what we've seen with Apple and Siri and some of that assistant-style stuff, where the execution was wonky because it tried to do too much. So, it'll be interesting to see how these different tech companies, from a functionality perspective and in all the features that they allow here, um, continue to develop that, because it seems like Amazon's been smart there. in slowly rolling it out and building a ton of confidence in the capabilities of the device and the underlying software, and then adding things as you know they're able to execute for users.
1: Yeah, and it's a race right now, right? I mean, do you really need to have uh, Alexa and Google Home and everything else in your home? You probably don't. Um, you can maybe have them talk to each other and have an interesting conversation, <laughs> but really this is almost a, a winner-take-all for your living room again, um, which I think is is very beneficial for whoever... Whoever sells the most hardware devices and uh, is, is really going to win the data prize at
0: the end. Right. Um, I know one thing that we are both very interested in, kind of switching gears here, is tech MA, so mergers and acquisitions, and what that might look like in 2017. There are a couple different factors that I think might play into this, but some numbers from Deologic to kind of set up this conversation. According to their estimates, global technology targeted MA in 2014 was around $300 billion. In 2015, it was nearly 700 billion. Wow. Year to date in 2016, it's around 530 billion. And for context, 2006 to 2013, total M&A wasn't above 300 billion once. <laughs> my my projection here is that we will see tech M&A be more or less flat from 2016, maybe even go down. I don't think we're going to revisit that huge peak that we had in 2015. A couple different factors here on my end. Do you have any any thought for that? Money's cheap. Money's cheap. Uh, What's the interest rate looked like the last <laughs>
1: several years, you know?
0: Exactly. I mean like so last week the Fed announced it was raising rates for the second time in ten years. Yep. Now the federal funds rate, which is baseline rate for overnight bank borrowing, is at seventy-five basis points or 0.75 percent, which is up from fifty basis points. Fed officials indicated that they would be possibly interested in making up to three increases next year. Should obviously be more aggressive than they'd originally forecast, the market wasn't quite expecting that, and also projecting three hikes in 2018 and 2019. All of this is to say, it will probably get more expensive to borrow. Capital is not going to be as cheap as it has been in the past, and I think that that will make some of these acquisitions a little bit tougher, because very often they're financed by debt by some of these big companies.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, I would say, right now, because if you go back to the, the early 2000s, it was all about getting a website. Uh, first, we had pets.com and every other dot-com that you could possibly get out there because the internet was blossoming. And uh, then, you know, you look maybe, maybe seven years, seven, eight years after that, and it was all about mobile. And everybody wanted to be an app that was on your smartphone that you could access. And that was just completely the new business model. And I think now we're actually kind of slowing down on the producing new things because we've kind of overwhelmed what consumers can reliably handle as far as websites and apps. And I think it's going to be much more about how are they useful and who's consolidating that data. I think that's the third phase of the internet we're about
0: to start experiencing. Yeah, um, I, th- I think one of the other things that might play into what we see with MA moving forward is a lot of people look at the market right now and they see that it's fairly expensive, you know, in historical terms. So you know, you look at the S and P 500's trailing PE; it's in the mid to upper mid twenties. That's on the higher end when you look back over the past 90 years. Um, you know, historically it's high single digits to you know low 20s with some some outliers here and there. Obviously, these are all broad stroke macro factors, and none of this scares me away from buying any individual companies. But it's all good to be aware of the general atmosphere surrounding the market. Um, I don't think you will continue to see the consolidation that you've seen, particularly in spaces like semiconductor industry and things like that, simply because it's going to be more expensive to borrow. And valuations have already been pushed up because it's been so inexpensive to borrow for such a long time. Um, there is a wrench possibly that could get thrown into this thought process. Well, here we go. <laughs> you want to deliver it? This is well, your this ahead. is your theory. Um, the potential for a tax holiday could be a little bit disruptive with this line of thinking, right? That's the uh, the wrench
1: get, that gets thrown <laughs> into the plan, right? That's the uh, now you know the gloves are off. What's going to happen if all of a sudden uh, you can repatriate? these billions of dollars that tech companies have had overseas into the U.S. for a reduced rate. That could change the entire dynamic, probably.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't need the debt to be able to finance these types of acquisitions. Not that it would be a problem for a company like Apple or Microsoft to do that, but these are two companies, I want to say 90% of their cash hoard is held overseas, and for them to bring that back, under current tax law, they would be taking a huge haircut to do it. So, they've been harvesting that money overseas and basically just letting it sit in marketable securities, I guess. Um, but if they are granted a one-time special tax holiday by President-elect Trump, uh, obviously, that would make it a lot easier for more deals to go through.
1: Would that make America great again?
0: It might. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to know. I am no Politico. <laughs> I am just a guy who they decided to give a weekly podcast Well, to. well I'm glad to start started
1: <laughs> the reckless predictions for this. I do think that the interesting part is that, uh, obviously, Trump has, has campaigned a lot about Establishing jobs in America, and of course, tech is a huge source of, of jobs in this country. And so, a a tax holiday could theoretically provide a lot of that for him.
0: Yeah, and I mean, to show his uh, his emphasis on the tech industry, they had that tech summit. Was that last week? Sure, yeah. A lot of a lot of execs there. I know Tim Cook was there. So um, he's clearly appealing to that group of executives, and that industry, it will be interesting to see what the follow-through is there. Obviously, like we said, something that could disrupt that process and uh, that line of thinking with m a trajectories, but um, something we won't know for sure and just kind of have to watch. Indeed. Any other things to watch for 2017? Anything that maybe be uh, on your dashboard?
1: Well, I've got two reckless predictions for M and A. we're talking Love about? Love it. I, this is this is the crystal ball that that <laughs> is always cloudy. We never know where it's where it's actually going to hit or not. But just for the show here for you, Dylan, I, I came up with two reckless predictions of, of MA M and A acquisitions. I appreciate. I could that. see happening in, in the future. And emphasis on reckless. Yes, and and any hate mail from our listeners directly to your inbox, right? Yes, that's. <laughs> D Lewis at fool.com. Okay, just or <laughs> industry focus at <laughs> okay. if you feel like hitting all of us. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, these are again highly speculative. You know, I don't invest any I don't recommend anybody go out and buy these based on this, but just two things that I that I do see that are very interesting out there. Uh, my first reckless prediction in the tech MA space is IBM acquiring Splunk. Uh, the reason being IBM is has, has been a company that's shown that it's willing to re- Uh, to change its business model so many times. It's reinvented itself so many times over the decades successfully. And it recognizes um, in the healthcare space and in all of the spaces that Watson is playing in right now, it has to look at unstructured data. It has to look at the fuller context of what's going on in the data that we're trying to figure out, X outcome to come out of. And the leader right now, far and away in in unstructured data, is Splunk. And IBM is trying to use Watson to improve the outcomes of the healthcare space, so I would make that reckless prediction number 1 All right. for the M&A space. What's
0: reckless prediction number 2? Reckless
1: number 2 is uh, is Salesforce buys Viva Systems. Again, you've got a non-compete clause here with uh, with Viva having exclusive rights to the life sciences and healthcare industry, whereas Salesforce is focused on almost everything else for software as a service, uh, improving sales efficiencies. And actually, Viva's CEO came from Salesforce.com, has a great relationship with those guys, and is actually using Salesforce to power a lot of the back end architecture for that company. Um, I think they've carved out a very profitable niche and they've kept that great relationship with Salesforce, and I think that's a natural fit, potentially, for the future.
0: I love that those were your two, because two that came to mind for me, these are companies we've discussed fairly recently on the Tech Podcast, uh, Twitter and Pandora. Ooh, Very curious to see what happens with them in 2017, because Twitter, of course, went through that flurry of headlines about potentially being suited by. Uh, was Salesforce was one of them. Sure. Mark Benioff, their CEO, seemed enamored with Twitter. Uh, but, I know Disney was in the conversation at some point. Um, I believe Microsoft was in the conversation at some point. It seemed like anyone with a decent amount of cash on hand was is in the conversation. Um, and Pandora, recently in chats, potentially with Sirius. I know there's been some speculation there, too. David Cressman and I did a show on them a couple weeks ago. So. I'm glad to see that you're bringing some fresh perspective. Those are truly reckless predictions, and and, and ones that uh, maybe a lot of people aren't thinking about right now. Sure, glad to have you on. Uh, anything else before I let you go, Simon? I, I think that's it. Uh,
1: you know, it, we're we're obviously keeping a real close eye on the on the tech space and Motley Fool Explorer, and also an MDP and Rule Breakers. Uh It's an interesting time to be a tech investor. I mean, we've seen the valuations a lot higher than we've been used to, but on the other side, these companies are doing some pretty innovative stuff out there. Uh, continues to make our jobs very interesting and a lot of fun. and It's a lot of fun to
0: talk about. I'm sure I'll have you on the show plenty of times in 2017. Thanks for having me today, Dylan. Well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. Uh, Just a note before we sign off, um, I want to let our listeners know about our holiday philanthropy drive. This year, we've partnered with Growing Power to bring sustainable food and employment to at-risk communities around the United States. One in seven Americans are food insecure. Your donation can make a difference to a community in need. To learn more about Growing Power's mission and to donate, visit give.fool.com. Again, that's give.fool.com. If you like the show and you're looking for more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Simon Erickson, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on.